You're listening to episode number one of The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. Welcome to The Road to Seven podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their road to seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins. On today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Julie Cole. Julie is a recovered lawyer, mom of six, and co-founder of Mabel's Labels. She has helped her company bring their product to a worldwide market, gain media recognition, and win countless entrepreneur awards. Julie is a regular television contributor, a sought-after speaker and MC, and a digital influencer and blogger. Today, Julie and I are going to talk about growing a business which ended up being sold for millions of dollars, and how she built it in a partnership. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. I think your journey with Mabel's Labels is one that really is in the Canadian history books when it comes to a Canadian small business success story. Uh, So number one, way to go. Oh, thank you. And thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. The fact that you said yes is a real honor. What inspired you and your your partners to start Mabel's Labels in the first place? Right. Well, I think there were um, a couple of reasons. And I think when most people are considering starting a business, you, you should understand your why, why you're doing it. And our why was a couple of things. One was that we just had a great product idea. You know, there was a product missing from the market. We were young moms and we were using, you know, masking tape and permanent marker to write our kids' names on their belongings. And we're like, this isn't very good. There must be something better. And there wasn't. So, you know, as entrepreneurial women will do, we will create it. So we did. Um, The other why for us, and particularly me, was at that time, actually, one of my children had just received an autism diagnosis. And I did not want to stay in the traditional workforce any longer. I wanted to be able to have enough flexibility to run a a very successful therapy program for him uh, uh, from my house. Um, And just, you know, he already had two little sisters by then. And of course, I went on to have more and more children. Um, So I just felt that the traditional workforce no longer suited um, my needs and the needs of my family. Mm -hmm. So it's the combination of product missing from the market and having a great idea with uh, a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Yeah. When you started... Did you start thinking, all right, this is it. We're going to scale this sucker to over seven figures, and this is the be-all, end-all. This is my future. You know what? It's a great question because I feel like my answer is a contradiction. Like, in a way, when we started, we thought, oh, well, this would be great if, you know, we could supplement the family income, you know, pay for the groceries, whatever, maybe not have to go back to work or maybe just work part time. Um, so we kind of had in our heads that, but then the way we actually operated was not like you know, it was a side hustle. Like we put together a strong business plan. We, um, you know, we thought very strategically, we did our research, we spoke with everyone. We planned, we planned for a business that would be seven figures. But if you had asked us, we'd say, Oh no, we just, you know, (laughs) we're just, we're just doing a little side thing. But we certainly didn't treat, um, you know, our label making as like we were hobbyists. We treated it like a real business from the start. I I think that's a very important thing for the listeners to walk away with is no matter what the vision is, take it seriously. Yeah. And take the proper steps to get that foundation in place. Um, One of the things that I 
I actually think is so fantastic about Mabel's Labels is that you've, you're one of the few partnerships that I've ever seen succeed. And partnerships and, busy, and, and business are a very tricky entity. How did you ladies make the partnership work? Yeah, right. Look, it is it is tricky for sure. So a couple of things, there are four of us, which is a lot. That's a lot of partners, right? Um, I'm going to say uh, it has both been challenging and also contributed to our success. So when we started, we did know each other very well because we are actually all related, which is a fact not everybody knows. So right. I started with my sister and then two of them were our friends from university who actually went on to marry my brother and my young uncle. So we were all a family and we went into it knowing each other very well. Yeah. Um, and we were able to really take advantage of the different skills and strengths of each partner. We came with four very different brains and four very different skill sets, and that certainly helped a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it also allowed us to divide and conquer. So, you know, one of us would go to a meeting with the bank. One of us or two of us would go source some equipment. One of us would be writing um, press releases, whereas my solopreneur friends, they're doing it all, right? doing it all. So this allowed us, I think, to experience earlier growth because we had so many people contributing. Uh, I think it also helped very much because if one of us was feeling down or feeling like, oh gosh, what have we got ourselves into? Or I've been up all night with a sick baby and now I'm making labels till 2 a.m. Then we were there for each other to say, look, you know what? You go home. I got this. We got this covered. Or, you know, or to be like, you know what? I know you're feeling this way. I felt this way two weeks ago, and this is what you said to me, and now I'm serving it back to you. We've got this. So we were kind of our own mentors and own support for each other, and we would lift each other up and help each other out, especially in those early days when we weren't bringing in paychecks and we were raising small children, and, uh, and times were tough, right? Um, also, uh, uh, you know, we had lots of, because four different personalities, we had lots of feisty conversation at that boardroom table. But I think the things that, the, the things that we learned to do well, and it, and it took practice, was to communicate um, and to understand each other's different communication styles. And that takes time. Um, and we needed to practice. We didn't always get it right. And we, we knew that, okay, well, we didn't get that right. We'll do better next time. So, you know, we had to, um, we had to learn through our mistakes. Uh, we had to really up our game and our communication. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't always easy, but, but, boy, was it worth it. Right? And I think yeah. one of the things in there that is so important that you said is a solopreneur's doing it all. And there comes a point in a solopreneur's journey where she is going to have to bring people onto her team. And so I guess my question is coming at it a bit sideways, but how were you able to build trust amongst you where some of you may have been... You know, my friend Val calls it a control enthusiast where right. they want to have their hand on everything and micromanaging every little thing. How did you build that trust within each other? That, that was tough, 100%. I mean, in those early days, sometimes we would we would say, you know, we would almost micromanage each other and be like, well, I want to know what's going on here and I deserve to know because it's my business. Mm -hmm. We basically had to set boundaries because the whole like the best thing about having four of us that we is that we didn't all have our hands in every little thing in the business mm -hmm. and um, the trust part, like, cause sometimes you don't actually trust. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is we had to practice trusting. Even if there were times I didn't trust, 
hey, you got to let people make mistakes, especially, you know, when you talk about solopreneurs, when you bring on people, like we're the first employees we brought in were kind of the worker bees, people making the labels. And that was fine. And that was okay. We didn't have a problem with that. As soon as we started bringing managers and they started making decisions and decisions maybe that we would not make, that was tough because, yeah, entrepreneurs can be control freaks. Our businesses are like our babies but again it just takes practice you have to let go because if you are micromanaging all the people first of all nobody's going to stick around nobody's going to like you mm-hmm. you're not helping your business mm-hmm. and guess what like sometimes people have better ideas than you so i always say as an entrepreneur the best thing i ever did was leave my ego at the door mm-hmm. and be willing to learn and be willing to let people make mistakes and me learn from their mistakes and me learn from the, them getting it right and me right. thinking they wouldn't you know you just have to you have to let go you have to be able to delegate because if you're in there sticking your nose in everything then you're not doing what you need to be doing which is taking that 10,000 foot view you're in the weeds, you're putting out the brush fires. And if you're not thinking strategically about the business, well, nobody is. Right. I love that. At what point on the journey did you realize that seven figures was actually possible? Um, yeah, good question. Look, I'm going to say that probably fairly early on, we had a taste that we were onto something. We had some early successes that, you know, it, it, the funny thing about bringing something to market that doesn't exist is that first you're like, wow, now I have to educate the market that they need us. Right. Um, but that seems to come fairly quickly. The mom market is an interesting one. Uh, moms talk about products we love. We spread the word. You know, she tells two friends, she tells two friends. And so once people saw our product out there in the wild, the word spread pretty quickly. Right. Um, we had a few nice PR hits early on. Um, again, having the four of us to get the word out there to our communities was, was certainly helpful. And quite frankly, you know, when we looked at our growth over the first couple of years and we were doing things like, you know, reaching 100% growth, which is easier in the early days, you know, as the, as the, as, as time passes, you know, you can't, I remember thinking, oh, what the heck's going on? We didn't experience 100% growth this year. (laughs) Companies don't do that. Companies are excited when they reach like 3% growth, right? So so we were pretty unrealistic, but our expectations were a little out of whack. Um, So I think, you know, when we were able to start doing our projections and we worked with our accountants, we worked with contractors and, and people who helped us understand what the trajectory of our business growth was we were like, okay, if we do this, 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 if we follow our strategic plans, there's absolutely no reason why we won't hit those figures by within a certain time frame. Right, right. And I think it is important to be thinking about, you know, like doing that. Don't just look one year ahead. You need to be looking, you know, quite, quite far ahead and, and, yeah. and see, seeing what you're going to put in place to make sure that that growth can sustain and, and even, you know, grow further right. as you look ahead. Right, right. So I think that's a beautiful segue into my next curiosity, if you will, of who did mentor you along your journey? Where did you look for that guidance? Right. So a couple of things. Uh, Early on, we had tossed around the idea of putting a board together. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that model just never seemed to come together or work for us. we used a lot of mentors in our early days, you know, our, our former professors or uh, friends, or we read a lot, or, you know, we were very curious and inquisitive and weren't afraid to ask questions. Um, so we used people like that. Um, I think one of the 
one of the things that we did well that we were smart about is that we knew when we needed help. Right. Um, and, you know, when we went into retail, we didn't think just, oh, well, we could just do this. We don't have any retail experience, but we'll just fake it till we make it. We hired a retail consultant. Right. You know, like we weren't. And I got to say, for small business owners and entrepreneurs, consultants are your best friend and contractors. You don't have to, like, hire an HR person. There are people in HR who you can contract to come in and write some policies and do some hires for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to get all these people in your actual payroll. You can hire people to help you and please do, right. you know, please do like that just, just makes, makes so much sense. And one of the things I thought we did that was pretty smart was when our business got to a certain point, we thought, Oh gosh, you know what? We feel like we've done a great job taking it to this level, but we need somebody who, we need to talk to somebody who um, who's worked with tons of businesses and we can learn from their experiences. And we did, we hired somebody who, who uh, chaired our, um, our board of our, like our executive board and ran the agenda and could share some of uh, his knowledge yeah. of working. I mean, this is what he does. He works with companies all the time. And that was extremely, extremely helpful. I would say now, I find most of my inspiration actually comes from my peers, Mm -hmm. people who are doing similar non-competing things. I have a group that I meet with monthly and they're all equally, if not more busy than I am, but we value that time. We meet for lunch and we talk about, you know, what our goals are, what our challenges are, and we help each other through. And that to me, at this point in my life and in my career has been most helpful. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think what I'm, I'm really hearing and getting from you is that whole need to trust your inner circle, if you will, those people that are around you and be vulnerable enough to ask for help, hire people who know more than you and trust yes. them to do their job. Yeah. And if you don't trust them, you, it is something, it might be you. You might need to just practice and, and really... I really try that and you know and, and it's surround yourself with smart people it's the whole you know if I'm the smartest person in the room I find a new room yeah yeah <laughs> you know so what internal belief then have you had to shift or or did you to be able to trust because that's a very difficult piece um yeah I don't know that I had to do a, a huge shift I think um generally speaking I am more a uh um, a community collaborative worker anyway that's just my nature so you know to, to be working with partners and to be working with staff and to be working with other brands to be that comes that comes very natural to me so it it, it hasn't felt um, like a real struggle for me but but I, I see like very entrepreneurial people who, who have um, who have real issues with that you know and, and I think it is something that I think self-awareness is going to be your best friend um, and understanding and talking to people about, you know, their perceptions of you and your perceptions of yourself and maybe what, what learnings and what shifts you have to make and being, being aware and being willing to do the work right. on yourself. Well, you know, yeah. it's one of my favorite quotes, which changed my entire life, was that growth is not additive. We don't add on in order to grow. Growth is deconstructive. And it's better ah. understanding who we are and how we operate, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's great. Beautiful. So what would be the biggest lesson that you have learned? And I don't want to frame it in, you know, what's a mistake that you made that yeah. you wish you hadn't. But if, if you look back along your journey, what's a lesson that you, you've really taken to heart along the way? 
Um, oh gosh, so, so many. Um, I think, you know, for anyone who's starting out, um, out there, there are certainly a lot of lessons around relationships and partnerships. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, and we didn't do this, but if you're thinking about starting a business with somebody else, you know, put a shareholders agreement together while you're all still friends. Because if you think marriage divorce is messy, you should try business partner divorce. Um, again, don't be afraid don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't let your ego run things. Um, I think also a, an important thing um, is that if you are starting out, make sure that all the humans in your life know what it's going to actually look like. Do you, if you have a spouse, if you have children, um, you know, when I was in the late, in the basement for two years making labels, like those were busy times. And does your partner actually understand that you're not going to be bringing in money, that this is going to be hard work for a long time and you are all going to be making a lot of sacrifices. Do your children understand that? Do you really know what having a startup looks like? And you better make sure everybody does because if they don't and you don't get a hundred percent support from your family or your your, you know, who is supposed to be your support system, then either the business will fail or, or your, your relationship will. Right. Cause it, it just, it's the magnitude is just so high. And, and you know, this Sheila, but I just sometimes think that people go into this, not understanding how much work it is. You will never work harder in your life. It is hustle yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and for a long time, you're not you know, there's no family holidays. There's no money coming in. It yeah. is just the grind. And I don't know that people really get that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good reminder. Very good reminder. And what a wonderful piece of advice for anyone who's stepping out is just, just get clear. And I think that brings us full circle is if your why is not something that you're passionate about or you're not um, driven by every day, those hard days where it is a hustle, it's not going to be worth it. No. And I mean, I don't mean to sound too and gloom, but I often say too that you really, um, even when you're starting out, you do have to understand your exit plan, you know, like, like, are you growing this to sell the business? Are you growing it to leave it as a legacy? Cause that's going to determine how you manage it. Mm -hmm. And also how long are you willing to, if I was, I mean, we're 15 years in, mm -hmm. if I was still in the basement making labels at 2am. This is a colossal fail. Right. You know, I'm, I had just, so at what point um, are you willing, like, no, understand how much you're willing to do yeah. and how much, you know, and, and, and keep revisiting that business plan and make sure you're on track. Love it. What beautiful wisdom. Julie, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you for having me. Knowledge. How can we keep in touch with you? Where should we go to learn well, you more can, about you or Mabel's Lady? Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, of course, you should. Everybody should check out Mabel's Labels website, mabelslabels.com. And from there, you can follow us on our, uh, you know, friend us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. If you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at cole.julie. Twitter, I'm at Julie Cole. My blog is kind of anywhere. You can find me um, at my, my Mabelhood blog, my Yummy Mummy Club, Huffington Post, where you can find me. I'm not that love hard to find. <laughs> I love it. And I just got my sleepover labels today. Yay! So uh, they're very <laughs> excited. Awesome. Love it. Julie, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you, Sheila. Thanks, Julie. Thank you for listening to the Road to 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. To learn more, visit SheilaCummins.com for more support along your road to seven figures and beyond in your business. See you next time.